0: And I'm going to just give an overview from this map again, where we are on this map, so that so that you can see. So, what happens is the children of Israel came up into the land. They conquered this side, the east side of the Jordan River. Jordan River is going from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. They were on this side. They crossed the the Jordan. They attacked uh, Jericho. Was the first city they attacked. They took over that city and then they made a base at that place called Gilgal, which is a place that they're not exactly sure where it is. It's just on the plains of Jericho. That To this day, they've not found exactly where that city is. And it was, wasn't really even established as a city. It was just a, a home base for them. And then last week, we talked about their attack on Ai. So Jericho is 900 feet below sea level. Dead Sea 1,300 feet below sea level, it's the lowest point on earth, Jericho 900 feet, and then they came up to Ai uh, uh, 2,500 feet or so above sea level. They attacked Ai <clears throat> and Bethel came out and engaged with them as well and so they attacked, they conquered both Ai and Bethel. <clears throat> now where we're gonna be reading about is they've now moved up into this area of Shechem, because Moses had commanded them to do something which we're about to read. And this is Mount Ebal. Mount Ebal is 3,000 feet above sea level. Mount Gerizim, 2,890 feet above sea level. And uh, you wonder how I know these numbers. They're actually written right on this map here, for those of you who are in the back. And these are the two mountains. And between the two mountains is the city of Shechem. And it's from that city in Shechem that they are going to... uh, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're based now in this city of Shechem, and they're going to be uh, between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Half of the children of Israel will be on Mount Ebal, the other half on Mount Gerizim, according to command of Moses. And this is what the, the area that we're going to be talking about today. And that, that city of Shechem, we never see them attacking Shechem. That was probably already by by uh uh right of conquer because in Genesis chapter thirty four uh Levi and, and, and Simeon, two sons of, of uh, uh of Jacob, actually attacked that city and uh uh whoever was living in Shechem for the last four hundred years heard that Israel came back in the land and they took off because they knew that they had already conquered that city because when we will later read about Joshua and the 31 kings that he conquered, Shechem is not even mentioned. So that city was already theirs. So whoever had been there fled knowing that, that Israel had already conquered that city and the last thing they wanted to do was to, to be there when Israel came back. And so, so Shechem they didn't even have to conquer and it's between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. So in Deuteronomy 27, so this is years before this event, years before the children of Israel coming in, Moses had commanded them to do something. In Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 1, it says, Then Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. So it shall be on the day when you cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God gives you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and coat them with lime, And write on them all the words of this law, when you cross over, so that you may enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. So it shall be, when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up on Mount Ebal these stones. And I am commanding you today, and you shall coat them with lime. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones which and you shall not wield a, an iron tool on them. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer it, offer on it burnt offerings to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings, and eat there, and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very distinctly. Then Moses and the Le- Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen, O Israel. This day you have become a people for the Lord your God, you shall therefore obey the Lord your God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command you today. Moses also charged the people, when you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the curse, these shall stand on Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levites shall then answer and say to all the men and all Israel with a loud voice. And then he goes on what they were supposed to recite. So this was a command of Moses. Now we're going to turn over to to Joshua. Joshua chapter 8, as we're going through the book of Joshua. And uh, Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. (coughs) And pick this up now in verse 30 of Joshua chapter 8. So now this is years later. Joshua is in the land. He's taken the land, and they're doing exactly how they had been directed by Moses to do back in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Verse 30 of Joshua chapter 8. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, in Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the sons of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an an altar of uncut stones on which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they... "...offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. He wrote there on the stones a copy of the Law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. All Israel, with their elders and officers, and their judges, were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests, and carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord." The, the, the stranger as well as the native, half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim, the other half in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given command at first to bless the people of Israel. <clears throat> then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. So you see that Joshua was fulfilling that which Moses had commanded him to do. We read back in in uh, Deuteronomy that they were to cover cover the stones with lime, so that lime is predominantly calcium carbonate. There's two crystalline forms of calcium carbonate, but, but it's predominantly calcium carbonate, and it's, it's fairly soft. So you say, well, how did they write the whole law on these stones covered with lime? It's actually, lime is, is fairly soft, and you could inscribe in it really quite easily. And so they were to write the entire law of Moses. There was nothing, and it says, remember what you read in, in Deuteronomy, you are to write it very distinctly. So it's not abbreviating it. You are to write it very distinctly. Write the law of Moses. And what we see here is the intent with the word of God. They took the word of God extremely seriously. And they took it seriously because God told them to take it seriously. And in the end of, of Deuteronomy 27, it's just one curse after another. If you don't do this, if you don't do this, you'll be cursed. If you don't do this, you'll be cursed. If you do this sort of thing, you'll be cursed. And then Deuteronomy chapter 28 starts with tremendous blessings. <clears throat> blessings that they would get if they did certain things. You see the blessings and the cursings that were proclaimed over the children of Israel. They took the word of God very seriously. <clears throat> and that's why in verse 28, in verse, uh, uh, 34 of Deuteronomy, uh, of Joshua chapter 8, it says, Then afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. This was not just for the men. It was a family thing. It's the men, the women, the children. The Word of God surrounded them. They were deeply concerned about the Word of God. There was not a word in the Law of Moses that, they did, that Joshua did not read to them. They took the Word of God extremely seriously. And that's going to be the topic for today. So I want you to turn and look at a few more verses. Deuteronomy. I want you to look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter chapter 17 Deuteronomy chapter 17 <clears throat> So this is the command for the children of Israel when they come into the land and when they eventually get a king what was the king supposed to do I want you to capture with me the seriousness of the word of God Deuteronomy chapter 17 we're going to start reading from verse 14 When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, you shall surely surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from whom a is among your countrymen, you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countrymen. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause his people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver or gold for himself. Now, none of the kings of Israel. None of the kings of Judah ever observed this. They all multiplied riches for themselves, and they all multiplied wives for themselves. So none of them ever observed this. So for kings, there was a higher standard. They were not to have multiple wives. The kings were supposed to have one wife, not multiple wives. All right? Because two is, means that you have to multiply one by something to get two. You weren't supposed to multiply your wives and kings were not supposed to make themselves rich in that position. Here is what they were supposed to do in Deuteronomy chapter 17, reading from verse 18. Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom. He shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. So what he was supposed to do, he says, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. So he was supposed to take the law. That's not just the Ten Commandments. we got five books of Moses. He was supposed to write himself a copy from Genesis through Deuteronomy, his own copy of this, written by his own hand. And he couldn't take shortcuts. The Levitical priests were supposed to stand over him and say, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, missed a little dot there, dot your I. I mean, everything, everything was to be properly written and he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. So in other words, he couldn't just say, oh, well, you know, I forgot my Bible today. No, he had to have people carting that around with him. If you go into a synagogue today, you will see the law written on scrolls, and they're big. You try to write the first five books of the Bible by hand. It's going to be a Big volume of something you've got to carry around with you. It's hard to do that. And he says, not only shall it be with you, he shall read it all the days of his life. This is what God calls us to. You want to be a believer that grows? There is no other way to grow in Christ without reading the Bible every day. Every day. The Bible puts it in this way. It it talks about it. It says either you read it every day, meditating on it every day, or reading it day and night. Two different ways. It says either, in some cases, it says you read it every day. Other cases, it says day and night. And it talks about the blessings that occur when you do this. He was to read it every day of his life. You say, well, that's for kings. I'm not a king. Next time I'm a king, I'll read it every day. No, there are many verses for us to read it every day. It shall be with him. He shall read it all the days of his life. Why? Why should I bother doing this? I'm a busy guy. I'm a king. You know, I got it. Got wars to fight. I've got you, you know to start all these these public projects. I mean, what are you talking about? He says, "No, you read it every day of your life, so that you may learn to fear, so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. You will learn to fear God by reading the Scriptures. When you read the Bible, you read it every time you read it. You're like, uh-oh, I have to improve my life. Uh-oh, there's something I have to do. You read the Word of God, and it speaks into your life. The Scriptures are." foundational for us. You will never grow strong in the Lord. You will never grow strong in the Lord without daily meditation on the Scriptures. And I know you're all busy people because students are busier than anybody. But you take the Word of God and you make it your daily meditation. He says that you may learn to fear the Lord your God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes. It's in observing it. You can't observe it if you don't know what to observe that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen. So how do you get a king? A king is like a rock star. I mean, how do you get a a, a rock star or a, a basketball player? How do you bear that without being prideful? In fact, with all that basketball players become, when they become pros at the age of 20 years old and they're making a gazillion dollars, I'm amazed that not more of them fall. I'm really not. And with all those accolades and people telling you how great you are, how do you keep from having yourself lifted up? And this happens to everybody. One day when you graduate, you will be, you know, CEOs someday. How do you, how do you keep from, from raising yourself up or thinking, I graduated from Rice. I must be really good. How, how, do, how do you keep yourself from, from, from being prideful? It says by... Observing carefully the words of this law that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen. Remember, pride is written on our foreheads and everybody sees it except ourselves. And we are brought in check through the Word of God. It is through the Word of God you keep from becoming prideful. Prideful sneaks in. Look at it. I mean, as soon as somebody's a sophomore, they're like, wow, there's somebody lower than me now. I'm really something. Pride slips in all the time, it is so easy. That he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left. That he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. This is how you will protect your children. It is through meditation on the Word of God. You bring the Word of God into your life and it protects your descendants after you. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Moses is summarizing in Deuteronomy chapter 32. He is summarizing... Down in verse 45, he's summarizing 40 years of instruction. 40 years of instruction, he summarizes this way. Verse 45 of Deuteronomy 32: When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you, indeed it is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. It is not an idle word for you, indeed it is your life. The Scriptures are our life. And most believers, most believers, most people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, do not spend much time with this Word of God. And it shows... This is why there is no or little substantive difference between believer and unbeliever in the way they act in most of the people that we meet. This is why. It says the Word of God is our life. It is our life. When we go without the Word of God, we become emaciated. Jesus, Jesus, when he, He was tempted, the devil said to Him, you know, you're hungry, you haven't eaten for 40 days. He says, turn these stones in the bread. And he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus equated the word of God. He spoke about it in the context of eating. You go for three days and tell me how you feel. Go for three days without eating. Go ahead. Try it. Tell me how you feel. You're going to be ready for a wrestling match. I mean, you're going to feel pretty weak. Go for five days without eating. Tell me how you feel. This is exactly what happens to us spiritually when we go days without the Word of God. We become really weak and we don't know it. And we become ugly and we don't know it, but other people recognize it. And finally we go, I'm a terrible person. I mean, there's the Word of God is critical for our lives to get this Word of God in. So they, they were right here in, in Shechem between Mount Gerizim. And Mount Ebal, standing on uh, as as you go up to, to Mount Ebal, as you go up Mount Gerizim and, and Mount Ebal, and they were the entire law of Moses was read to them. The entire law of Moses was read to them. The importance of the Word of God. He says, now take this and write the whole thing in this in this uh, lime covered stone. Write the whole thing. The whole thing. I mean, we're busy here. The whole thing. Write it out. Now read the whole thing to every man, woman, and child in Israel. This is deep, important. They have now entered the land. They are now in the heart of the land. And he says, now take the word of God and make it a part of their lives. Look in Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. And this is the instruction that Moses gave to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. He says, This book of the law, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will, make, then you will have success. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And the prosperity of God is so much greater than money. So much greater than money. The New Testament says to the believer, it says, If you have food and clothing, in First Timothy chapter 6, with that you shall be content. If you have food and clothing, with that you shall be content. So if you have something beyond food and clothing, that's an extra blessing from God oh, so believers should have a big house. No, there's no promise for a big house for a believer. Believers in Christ are promised two things in the New Testament, food and clothing. With that, you shall be content. And that's all Jesus had. Jesus said, the birds of the air have nests, the foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Even Jesus didn't have a home. But he had food and he had clothing. That is the promise that he has for the believer. But what he promises us is himself. He promises us himself, which is so much greater than anything that the world has to offer us. These are the promises that he displays to us. If we turn, if we turn now to, uh, turn to Psalm 112. Psalm 112 verse 1. Psalm 112 verse 1. Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Listen to this. You want to see what's going to happen if you learn to greatly delight in the commandments of God? His descendants will be mighty on earth, the generation of the upright will be blessed. If not for your own sake, how about for your children? He will take your children and make them mighty on this earth if you make the Word of God your meditation. If you make the Word of God your delight, He will bless you in this. You make the Word of God your delight. Turn to, uh, t- turn to, to uh, uh, John, John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 23. See what Jesus had to say about this. John chapter 14 verse 23 John 14:23 This is what Jesus has to say about this. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my he will keep my word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now in verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my word. So how does Jesus assess our love for him? Is it how many times we say praise God, hallelujah? Is it how many times we go to church? Has nothing to do with that. Jesus told us how he assesses our love for him. He's got to measure it in some way. I mean, how do you measure this? Well, he knows my heart. Okay, well, he has now said that he measures it. The way He measures it is by the keeping of His Word. If anyone loves Me, he will keep My Word. And what's the result of that? If you keep His Word, My Father will love Him. If we love the Word of Jesus and keep His Word, My Father, Jesus says, will love Him. Jesus' Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, will love you. Jesus said that. If anyone keeps My Word... If you love me, you'll keep my word. And if you keep my word, my Father will love you. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. The Creator of heaven and earth will love you. And it says, and we will come to Him. Who's the we? That's Jesus and His Father. And we will come to Him. Don't trouble yourself. We will come to you. That's what He said. We will come to Him and make our abode with Him. He promises us Himself. This is what He promises us. The having God dwell with us. Could there be anything sweeter? Could there be anything greater than His abode with us? The God of heaven and earth, the Creator of all things, will come and make His abode with us if you keep His Word. You cannot keep his word without reading it, without meditating on it. It is this precious word. And that is why Joshua took the time. He says, we are going to do exactly what Moses said. Cover all of these stones with lime. And they're like, Joshua, what are you doing? Remember, like Moses said, do it. And we are going to inscribe in this lime-covered stone the entire law of Moses. And then I want you, Levitical priests, to read this aloud. To every man, woman, and child, and whether they were native Jew or not, everyone with them was going to hear the Word of God. And so one day you will be parents, and you take the Word of God into your home. You gather around the Word of God. You gather around the Scriptures, and you daily with your children gather around the Scriptures and read to them. When my daughter was about three years old, my oldest daughter was about three years old, my father-in-law was visiting... And, he, and, and, uh, um, and Sabrina was about one year old and he said, Jim, you're a very busy man. I see you leave early in the morning and you're working so hard. He said, you're going to lose your chance with them. You're going to have to start them every day in the scriptures. Start your children every day in the scriptures. And from that day, that next morning, I took my father-in-law's advice. And we gathered every morning at 5.30 in the morning as a family. And I woke up my kids, and they were there, and I read the scriptures to them, and we memorized scripture together, and then we got on our knees, we prayed for each other, and then I was out of the house by 6. And I'm still out of the house by 6 every day, and I got home at 6 for dinner, and and we had dinner together, and then I'd, I'd start putting the kids to bed. But it was purposeful. It was with intent. And I would wake up very early, have my own time, and then I'd always have this time with my children. Why would I do that? Was I not tired? Of course I was tired. But I knew the seriousness of the Word of God. You take the Word of God seriously and you will be rewarded. The Scripture said, it is not an idle word for you. It is your life. This is your life. You want to go without your life? See what your life is going to become like. There is so much wickedness in our own hearts. That we are quickly led astray. That we quickly become prideful. That we quickly start thinking we're something that we're not. The scriptures keep us in check. You take the word of God and you make it a part of your life. Now, to that end, there is this book, Growing in Christ. Many of you are new here for the new here at Rice now. Some of you are new and some of you aren't new and you haven't gone through this book. If you haven't, I want to say that we've got a bunch of these books. It's called Growing in Christ. We will give you one free. We will give you one free. I'd like to charge you something just so that you see that there's a cost involved. Somebody's, but it's okay. We're going to give it to you free. It's, it's got uh, 13 chapters here. In 13 weeks, you can cover the whole thing. You're going to sit with somebody. So Mike Jackson, Mike, stand up so they can see you. You're going to see Mike Jackson, and he can put you with somebody who will meet with you, it might be one on one, it might be one on three, and you're going to read, you read a a, a chapter, It, it takes you all of about 15 minutes to read one of these chapters, gives you a little scripture to memorize, you're like, memorize? Yes, memorize. You are at an age where the neurons in your brain are firing so fast, you can memorize in an instant. You can memorize so fast, the younger you are, the faster you can memorize and, and, and you, you get these verses in your heart. You plant them in your heart. And it starts you out just making sure that you're saved. You're making sure that you, and then it just brings you through the early parts. This is just the beginnings of discipleship. We want to offer this to you so that you can become more muscular in your faith. So that you can become grounded in the Word of God and learn to relate with other people around the Scriptures. So what I want you to do is that we don't have, we don't have the Lord's Supper today because we just took it in the service. We're gonna when we end, Mike's gonna be up here. If you want to go through this book and have somebody else from the university or something sit with you and agree to sit with you, you'll go through this in 13 weeks, and you'll finish this book up, and you will be able to pick up the Word of God and begin to go through it systematically and rightly. This is your life. You want your life to go well. Here is a prescription for having your life go well. You pick up the Word of God and you start meditating on it. And by well, I mean in a godly fashion. I don't know what He has for you. I don't know what you're going to be diagnosed with. I don't know what, but I do know one thing. He will be with you. Jesus never promised to keep us from suffering. Never did. The Scripture said, if you want to walk godly in Christ, everyone, everyone who wants to walk godly in Christ shall suffer, the Scriptures say. But what He does... If He keeps us from the despair of suffering. We suffer, but He keeps us from suffering's despair. That He does. He can keep us from suffering's despair. Because as you learn to pick up the Word of God and draw it into yourself, that in the midst of your suffering, you'll see that He fills you all the more. All the more. In the midst of your suffering, He fills you. That's the special thing with the relationship of Christ. That's the special thing about the Word of God. Take this Word of God and make it a part of your life. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. And Lord, I pray for these young people that You would so take them and fill them with a love for the Word of God. Father, that they would take to heart the things that they have heard, that this is not an idle word for them, but indeed it is their life. Father, I pray that they would take the Word of God and make it a deep part of their lives, They would take the seriousness of the Word of God and then learn to have you speak to them through the Scriptures. Lord, speak to these young people through the Scriptures. Lord, I pray that from this day, their lives would be different because they would pick up the Word of God and start to read it and meditate upon it. Lord, the grace of God be upon them, I pray, for the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen.